OmegaMetroid.com is here. We're so proud to finally share our website with you, giving Metroid fans a dedicated Metroid one-stop shop for the latest news, fan creations, walkthroughs, maps, and of course, the latest episodes of the Omega Metroid podcast. That's not all. If you'd rather listen on YouTube, you can check out episodes there. And if you really want to take your Omega Metroid experience to the next level, consider supporting us on Patreon. You'll get access to special Discord roles, a platform on the website to promote your projects, exclusive bonus shows, and so much more. Memberships start at just as little as $1 a month. OmegaMetroid.com is the source of all this great content. So whether you're a new Metroid fan or a series veteran, OmegaMetroid.com is the place for you. Check out OmegaMetroid.com today. Welcome to the Omega Metroid podcast from OmegaMetroid.com. My name is Andy Spateri, not joined by Dak, not joined by Duminal, but joined by my pal, Gooey Fame. Goo, how are you, dude? Hey, it's good to be back so soon, I feel so like. So, when, uh, when were you on here last? It wasn't that long ago, right? We did Symphony, Symphony of, the, of Night, the Night, That's right. which was like two months ago or something so i love i love that you're coming on the metroid podcast to talk about castlevania and like alien that's all i love it <laughs> well that's i was thinking about it because i'm like well i can tell you about how i feel about this movie but you're gonna have to be the one to like connect it more to metroid because i only know the very there's very obvious influences here but i'm not i'm not a metroid uh expert at all i'm a novice so I'll, I'll try to provide commentary uh, on Metroid when I can. <laughs> uh, totally. And and I guess the cat's out of the bag. We are here today to talk about the movie that started it all, really, uh, both for the Alien franchise and for the Metroid franchise. And we are talking about what 1979. Holy cow. 1979's Alien, directed by Ridley Scott today. So this is actually going to be kind of like a an Omega Metroid slash virtual theater episode goo do you uh do you want to tell everybody listening to the omega metroid podcast that might not <laughs> know what virtual theater is uh what we're all about well it's a video game <laughs> hold on <laughs> cut this out <laughs> no i'm leaving it in okay it is a podcast <laughs> about video game movies and the stories that shape them um as as we say and yeah it's we talk about video game movies but i guess if you're if you're interested in alien we did do a bonus episode over on our patreon where we talked about prometheus so you know we're in that wheelhouse <laughs> uh big alien fan and yeah so goo and i have been doing uh Same. yeah goo and i have been doing virtual theater for three years coming up coming up on yeah, four like years that. pretty soon i think um yeah three and a half years so we've been in virtual theater for three and a half years of course yeah that's a movie where we where we talk about video game movies and the stories that shape them and it's really been quite the journey quite uh i don't know quite illuminating into like what i actually think like a bad film is i think i had an idea of what i thought a bad film was before we started that podcast and now like mm-hmm. now i i you know had a completely different idea um it reaffirmed my i knew i loved the super mario bros movie and like not ironically but like just loved yeah. it yeah and now i would say that that's like a legit top fi- like favorite movie of mine that's a great yeah it's a great movie um so fun and yeah i i'm with you too like not that i mean aliens so different than those because it's like aliens just like and i think most people could say that's like stone cold classic but uh our show is like if you want to look uh you know, just beyond the the layer of like what everyone thinks about movies, and like let's we get we get into a lot of them and say like okay, like uh, we used to. I feel like we used to nitpick them more, and now we we get under the hood and we're like okay, what's 
what's actually going on here and like what's what's fun about this what doesn't work and i i feel like we're it, it's a it's so much better now yeah. like it's we, we have such a fun time just like talking about some of these uh you know some of these wild video game movies really it's a it's a treasure trove oh that's <laughs> good a treasure trove yeah because um, I think that we bought into the narrative, as I think everyone has, that video game movies aren't very good. <laughs> and yeah. I think one thing that I realized is, like, it, it, that's it's not true. And even if video game movies, like, aren't, like, necessarily... Like, some of those video game movies have moments where they're pretty bad or, like, pretty ridiculous. But, like, so did every other movie in, like, the mid-90s or, like, the mid-2000s or... Like, they're just movies. Like, you know? Like, they have the same... yeah. I don't know. It's a. It's been a journey for sure. We've been on it for a long time, and uh, we thought that we would pay homage in a fun virtual theater esque way to the movie that clearly inspired um, a lot of what the Metroid series would become. Before we get there, before we get there, Goo, I I do want to focus on some Metroid news that came out today, and maybe as kind of like an, an outsider of the Metroid series, you can you can weigh in on this. But the so Nintendo, okay, let's do it. Nintendo had their uh, earnings meeting with their investors last night at like three in the morning, and they revealed the sales numbers for the Nintendo Switch and for a bunch of different games, including Metroid Dread. And the number for mm-hmm. Metroid Dread, do you want to take a guess at what the number was in terms of copies sold? I, th- I think I saw. Well, I'm not good with the sales amounts, but wasn't it like? Was it like three million or something? Ba- basically, it was two point nine million. Okay, two point nine million units sold, and I've been talking to a lot of people today, and a lot of them are disappointed, worried, scared that this was not like a a big success or not as successful as it should have been, and um, I I understand that actually because like we as Metroid fans have been conditioned to like always be on the lookout to, you know, looking over our shoulders. Like, is this the last Metroid game? Is Nintendo going to give up on this? Uh, you know? Um, and mm. I saw a lot of people yeah. be like, well, they pushed Metroid dread so hard, so hard. It did even break 3 million. And, and I guess to that, I say like, listen, um, it's been eight months. Metroid dread will break 3 million right away. I'm sure that it will, by the next, uh, investors meeting, it will be at 3 million. Um, and, and I was kind of reflecting on this today and I was like, I actually don't think that they like, like a lot of people were like, they marketed Metroid Dread hard. And I actually don't really agree with that. I just think that they marketed that game normally the way that like a company should market a a first party game in 2022. Yeah. They hooked it up a pretty good amount. But like, so traditionally I think that the series has just been marketed so poorly that it's like when a game is like Metroid Dread is marketed normally we're just like wow they really strapped the rocket to that and like this is uh wow Uh, you know like we gotta we gotta make big in our returns but you know i i think that if you're worried about the metroid series and this 2.9 figure um don't be because i think that just you know we were talking about this in our discord today but going over and i don't know anything about video games okay and in sales and stuff like that but (laughs) i was like okay I think that there are four metrics that you could probably say or weigh and see if Metroid Dread was a success. Um, how did it sell compared to previous Metroid titles? And we know that 2.9 million makes Metroid Dread the best-selling title in the series. How did it sell compared to modern contemporary games? So maybe like an Ori in the Blind Forest or Hollow Knight. Uh, and, and Metroid Dread has smoked those games. Um, how did it sell relative to similar tier Nintendo franchises? which I'll get to in just a second. And most importantly, did Metroid Dread make money? And I've got a a nice calculation for everybody there. So at 60 American dollars times uh, 2.9 million copies, you want to know how much money this game made? It hit me. $174 million. And that's just regular copies, by the way. We're not talking special edition copies or anything Mm. like that. This game has made almost $200 million. Like, I think it's going to be fine. And for for reference, I was just saying that uh, this game has sold better than some modern Nintendo contemporaries. I actually, I've tracked down and made a list. So games Metroid Dread has sold better than for Nintendo Switch. Xenoblade, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Astral Chain, Miitopia, Mario and Rabbids, Yoshi's Whirly World, ARMS, WarioWare, Captain Toad, Pikmin... 
Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, Pokemon Snap, Octopath <laughs> Trap. Like, guys, it's going to be okay. And by the next investors meeting, yeah. this game will have surpassed the sales numbers for Paper Mario. It will have surpassed Fire Emblem Three Houses, Minecraft, 1-2 Switch. Like, everyone, everyone breathe. Everyone breathe. Yeah. That's kind of, for me, it's like, I can kind of think of it as something about something I like where I, like, I understand, like, it's like, oh, you want it to do well because you want it to you want more to be made or whatever but i i also just think like i guess that has nothing to do with like people on either side of the argument but i feel like that's just it's just sad to me that it's like that is like what's so important you know it's like it could be the greatest game ever made and you know it's like well if it didn't sell if it's not the biggest thing ever like there's a chance of it not being made again you know like it reminds me from a movie side of something i really care about how like you know, the Northman came out and it was like, it had a bad, like first start. It got, had a rocky start and then it got okay. But there was like articles going around that was, there was like one that was like the Northman box office return shows the problem with like, um, over bloated budgets. And I would be like, screw you. Like, I don't care about the movie from like, uh, like, I don't like it based on a, you know, how, how is it as a product? You know, how, how's it, how's it selling? I hate that. I I get I get what you're saying, though. I'm not trying to say like that's how you're viewing it, but it it does it just sucks that that is that's just we're all forced to like think about stuff like that because that's the world we live in. Well, you know? and, and me and and Kiwi talks. Who, by the way, is coming on the show next week. We had a really good t- a really good chat where he was kind of saying like like I'm disappointed because I feel like this Metroid series is so good and so influential that it's it's not reaching the amount of people that like a Zelda or a Mario is reaching. And that's disappointing. And I feel like that can be true. Like, that's definitely true. Like, for a game as influential as Metroid, or a series, rather, you would hope that it reaches a bigger mm-hmm. audience. But the fact that it doesn't, I feel like that's okay. And it doesn't mean that, like, it's it's a bomb. Like, if you make if you make a yeah. movie for $200 million and it makes $700 million at the box office, like, that's a, that's a great success, right? Like, just because it didn't break, like, a billion dollars, like a Marvel movie or something like that, doesn't, doesn't mean it's a flop. Um, and I think that, you know, I think that that's okay. Like Metroid is a B tier series and I feel like that's fine. Not everything needs to be like an A tier series. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. It's just, it sucks that that's what we got to worry about, but that's just how, how things are made, I guess, you know? Um, so it was, <laughs> how do we maximize profit? <laughs> it was an interesting conversation along, among a lot of Metroid fans today. And I, yeah, I, I think that that just kind of speaks more to like, the fractured psyche of us Metroid fans. Cause we've been through a lot over the last couple of years and multiple instances where like no, no games came out whatsoever for multiple long periods, like eight years at a time. So they, they did you dirty for sure. Well, and that's the other <laughs> thing too, is like, you know, this is, this is really, I guess Samus returns kind of kicked us off, but like, this is the first big game for the series in a long time. So like the series was cold, right? It's not like it was hot. And to expect that it's going to sell, like, 5 million copies when no Metroid game ever in the history of this series, in 35 years, has ever come close to 3 million copies, like, I I think that was a little bit unrealistic and a little bit unfair. I think that it it probably Mm. ends up with, like, a 4 million copy lifetime sales total, and I feel like that's great, you know? Yeah, hopefully we get some more Metroids. You know, if not, maybe the... Maybe the AM2R people can make another one of those or something. Well, actually, so I don't know if you know it, but the AM2R <laughs> guy now works as a developer of the of the uh, Ori games. Oh, okay. So that's right a little on. serendipity for you yeah. there, but uh, yeah, enough. There'll be more Metroid. We're gonna. It's gonna be yeah. like if it's at least like Prime. That was kind of like a minor resurgence, and they made a few games, you know, on the back of that. Yeah. So. There'll probably be a few. We got more. Metroid Prime Four. Coming. Though you never know. We got there was rumor of a Metroid too. Prime HD. So like it's all coming. So Metroid Dread is is the starting yeah. point, and I think that as long as Nintendo kind of keeps on, because like look at Zelda, right? Like it was a big series before, but like I feel like in 2011, 2012, Nintendo really ramped up the Zelda series. They started releasing games every year. They started releasing a lot of merch, and like I think like Zelda is now like a mega series. Like it's a way bigger series now than it was ten years ago. And that's due to them yeah, kind of warming it up and, and giving it the push. <laughs> yeah, they could do that with Metroid or 
you know, Nintendo also just does silly things sometimes, so they might just decide not to. Oh, that's true. Um, either way, I think everybody is, uh, you know, they maybe a little bit... I, I feel like everybody is, is okay to be disappointed that it wasn't a little bit higher, but I definitely don't think that anyone should be worried about these sales figures, because I, I don't see a world where these are disappointing numbers to anybody at Nintendo. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know anything about anything, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, just don't worry that much about it. It'll be all I'll right. tell you what I do know, <laughs> Gooey Fame, and I know that I love Alien. I love this movie. This is yes. one of my favorite movies. And in fact, I think I've said it on this show before. I really, like, really loved the first Alien and, uh, specifically the first alien i like aliens i like alien 3 i can't i can't remember much about uh alien 4 to be honest with you i think avp is fun for what it is and i but i really like prometheus and covenant but man this first alien movie i think is just like such a master class movie it's so good and there's so much about this movie that you know obviously inspired the metroid series but just like like you look at this movie like this is like as close to a perfect movie as you can get in terms of like everything about this movie, like the directing, mm-hmm. the acting, the the aesthetics, the mood, the music, the set design, the co- like, Oh my God, this movie is so awesome. It's no wonder that Nintendo was like, yeah, we're going to make a video game series based off that. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they definitely transfer to some of the, the vibes uh, into Metroid, as you can see some of the eeriness. Yeah. Uh, you know that sci-fi spookiness um obviously it's a bit more uh action based so you have that i guess but um yeah you can see you can see like a lot of the blueprints uh in the movie for sure so yeah i when i was watching this i i I don't know how many times i've seen this movie but i was watching it the other night specifically to like try and look at some similarities between you know metroid and and alien and there's a lot and like a lot of them are, are quite obvious and we'll talk about them but that was the thing that really, like, struck me the most is, like, when, like, the the mood is so, like, they just took that sense of, like, isolation and, and dread for, you know, pardon the pun, um, and really, like... Double pun. Yeah. yeah. Hey, double pun. Uh, this is a good time to plug our Alien Isolation Inspired by Metroid, by the way, uh, available on OmegaMetroid.com. But, yeah, like, the, the, the way that they, like, just portray the mood um it is so it's so masterful and i think that 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 single thing is what metroid kind of picked up on the most and and did such a good job just kind of you know having its its games like replicate that that eeriness and and the and the tension of the alien planet like when they like man when they land on um on like the I forget what the the planet is called or whatever, but when they find the derelict yeah, ship and they find the eggs, like that that's like a Metroid game right there. Like it's so creepy and just suffocating. Yeah. It's it's so the mood is so off the charts. Some of the yeah, there's there's obvious stuff like because like I said, I'm I don't know a lot about Metroid, but there's very clear stuff of like even just like the kind of the alien ship and stuff the hr geiger designs that he did for those that make it look so foreign and you know unknown and scary like i feel like they capture that a lot when i see in metroids especially like i think of like you find like the chozo statues and the stuff like that it reminds me of that a little bit and then obviously the um just like the jerry jerry goldsmith does the score for this movie want to give him a shout out does a lot of star trek composing but just the music in this very very um just so upsetting such a vibe but i uh even going back to the soundtrack for metroid on nes like i feel like is definitely going for that sort of um that sort of feeling with the music you know it's very like there are moments where i feel like um i'll I'll go to super metroid actually when like you first land on Zebus and you're and you're going around and like there's really no music it's just kind of ambience but like there's something you know that there's something horribly wrong like that that to me just felt exactly like when you know when uh Dallas Kane Lambert land on that derelict spaceship and they're exploring and it's just like 
what's you know what's going on like it was so tense and it was so mm-hmm. just like you knew that something bad was about to happen so yeah it, it, the, even the the title of the movie even reminds me of like a cool video game title card where that music's going i can imagine that being like the like make it 8-bit and it could be the perfect metroid title screen but like as the uh you know the letters are filling in and it's so it's so it just sets such a you know what speaking of the letters great the logo for omega metroid is alien planet so there's a little uh little tie in there for you oh the same font it's close to the same font close uh okay it's like a like public domain yeah yeah basically yeah (laughs) Yeah, i was like this i I when i saw it i actually i didn't put the dots together i was like this looks cool looks kind of foreign and i was like after a while i was like oh my god duh alien like it's not just alien anyways so yeah that's a little uh a little fun little tie to uh to this movie again but um yeah you mentioned how the xenomorph is, is kind of reminiscent of uh you know some of the creatures that you fight in metroid i i feel like i feel like for me um so obviously the xenomorph is is not replicated exactly in metroid but i feel like a lot of elements of the xenomorph are and one to me is like i feel like the physical imposingness of of the xenomorph is like to me really replicated in ridley um because he's like this big badass space dragon or whatever but i feel like kind of the body horror parts of the xenomorph are very much replicated in in of course the actual metroids themselves that will attach themselves to your face much like much like a face hugger and suck your suck your like life force so like i feel like it's very kind (laughs) of you know it wears its inspiration on its sleeve in a lot of ways which is great um and and i would even actually say like uh, in metroid 2 when you start to see like the metroids evolve you look at an omega metroid it doesn't look like completely dissimilar from a fully grown xenomorph right they they have the same like it's not the like you said not the same like exact look but just like elements like kind of hunched over like, the they got the big mouth and like and, yeah like sort of the ex exoskeleton yeah. I don't know if that's right but you know what I mean uh, like Ridley kind of has that look too and it's and it's yeah it's like kind of like yeah weirdly like elongated features and stuff that are pretty freaky and even like mother brain the concept of mother brain is like kind of horrific too i don't really know much about mother brain but anytime i see um not just from captain i was gonna say you know a lot about about uh, you know a lot about mother brain (laughs) but just those from like super metroid and metroid of like it's like this brain that's you know that's i don't know there's something freaky about that and that that happens in alien too where there's in like prometheus there's like those different types of aliens and stuff Mm -hmm. and they all they all feel like they could fit in the uh the metroid uh, evolution chain canon um that that makes me actually think of another thing i don't know if you're gonna say this but one thing that's great about this movie that that i like and it's something that you know it's like prometheus there was something i was kind of mixed about is i like in this one they go to that ship of some society they don't know anything about and i like that it's kind of remained a total mystery and that's very scary in this movie and that makes me think of um i haven't played a lot of metroid like i said but when a lot of metroidvania games were like you're going around and you're like it's like a lot of like environmental storytelling you know and we we learn about their society through like seeing just like bits and pieces of their ship and like what was this what was this and then even more so like with the way the aliens like reproduce you know it's like that's that's um they give you the lore through gameplay (laughs) you know what i mean like uh having them attach themselves and and hatch and all that stuff that's that's showing that's just showing you how it works instead of you know just giving you a bunch of lore i'm glad that you brought that up because i i was gonna go there uh in a little bit but i'm just gonna go there now instead and we'll kind of talk about like the alien franchise as a whole before we narrow in on this movie specifically but um one thing that you mentioned that prometheus took a lot of flack for was kind of over explaining some things and um one thing that i that I always really liked about Alien, and I think a lot of people liked it about Alien, was the space jockey. And the space jockey is the guy that they find on the derelict ship. He's got, like, that elephant kind of helmet on, and, like, he's just a skeleton or whatever. And he's this massive guy, and it was very mysterious. Like, it was this ruin, like, this this almost fossil of of this 
giant warrior. And to me playing mm-hmm. Metroid, I always saw that as like a Chozo statue where it was like, these yes, Chozo yeah, are so mysterious and like what happened to them? Where did they go? And like what, you know, I want to learn more about them. And, um, you know, it eventually, eventually Prometheus kind of gave us the answer about the, the space jockey. And some people, I, I don't think wanted an answer and that's why they, reacted badly yeah. and metro dread to an extent gave us a little bit more information about the chozo and like we finally saw like a living breathing chozo but i i always kind of like correlated the mystery of the space jockey with like the mystery of like the chozo species and like how they they were always like kind of close but just out of reach it seemed like yeah yeah then that's that's what makes it i mean that's a classic horror thing of like sometimes like what you don't know is so much more scarier you know um so one thing obviously i mean obviously we we talk about how this movie franchise influenced uh the metroid series and uh you know one thing that is probably the most glaringly obvious inspiration is the character of ripley and how in a lot of ways like the character of samus is based off the character of of ripley and that they are just strong take charge do what's necessary heroines that you know go up against these insurmountable odds and uh and and fight these grotesque alien monsters and you actually even see that arc start to develop in like a little bit of the the future games where like samus eventually kind of develops an attachment to the baby metroid in uh, in metroid 2 and loses it or loses the baby metroid in super metroid and you kind of see that as well with like Ripley and Newt, who is of course introduced in Aliens and yeah. that kind of whole saga. Well, it, it feels like a story that maybe Metroid was trying to tell, but like I guess you could say unsuccessfully in in other M and kind of in Super Metroid is that like Samus has like kind of a motherly attachment to you know to to mm. this baby Metroid, and obviously we see that with with Ripley and Newt as well. So there's a lot of like. There's a lot of correlations there between these characters as well. Beyond the obvious is that, you know, both of them are, like, strong women who fight aliens. Yeah, motherhood is definitely, like, kind of a theme that they bring up a lot in the series. And I, I didn't know how much that came up in Metroid. But it it's interesting that they, you know, they tried to translate elements of that, too, for well, sure. And, it, and it's also kind of funny, too, because, like, you have Mother, the AI, running the Nostromo, and you have Mother Brain who is, is yes. kind of like an AI running the space pirates. And um, I think Mother Brain is obviously a little bit more overtly, you know, evil than maybe Mother in the Nostromo is at the very beginning. But, I mean, essentially, mm-hmm. they're both like AI, you know, computers that, that are trying oh, to kill yeah. you. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess that's, that's sort of the difference, I think, is because I think Metroid, it seems like more... I mean, there's depth to it or whatever, but the the villain, like you said, it's more overtly evil where um, I think an element that's in uh, Alien, the most of the aliens, not all of them, but um, and not so much Metroid is like this idea of like, w- like workers being expendable. Yes. You know what I mean? Like they just these are just like half the people on the ship are just like mining or something. You know what I mean? And there's that classic scene where it's like, you know, crew is um, what what's the word they're uh they're expendable, you yes. know? And so there's a little bit of, like, capitalist critique going they, on. All, you know, all other considerations secondary or, or something like that is how they is how they word it. Yeah. Um, he, and that's, that's like, kind of a metaphor of just, like, yeah, being being driven by, like, uh, pure algorithm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, uh, yeah, I love it. Um, you could even kind of, if you really wanted to stretch, you could say that, like, the uh the galactic federation which in later games in metroid fusion and metroid other m kind of shows signs of corruption and stuff like that is is really kind of like a standard for like mm, the whaling utami corporation who yeah, i mean clearly sells out its crew without thinking twice about it so very interesting there. yeah yeah it's it's funny that that's that's dropped by the wayside because we talk about avp that's not Wayland's in it and same thing with prometheus and i always thought that was a weird choice uh, and I'm like, people almost forgot, I feel like, that that's, like, um, inherently in Alien and Aliens, especially, uh, that, you know, these guys just care about turning a profit, yeah. basically. They want to capture this thing. Uh, because I remember, like, 
isn't there like a show or a movie they're developing about Wayland and like the director was like, we're going to explore in this one. We're going to make it so like Wayland Yutani isn't so good. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's part <laughs> of the series. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, you know, <laughs> our, our friend David Laspy would be a good person to ask about that. Cause he's the biggest alien fan that, that I know. Yeah. Um, Oh, he would be yeah. perfect. Why? Why is it? I don't. I, I should have. Uh, if you're listening, Dave, I'm sorry. I should have invited you on. This is right up your wheelhouse. Let's bring him on the aliens episode. I do that. Um, so yeah. one one <laughs> thing that uh, so I've seen this movie a million times. Obviously, I've played more Metroid mm-hmm. than I can remember. But one thing I know, I'm not sure that I pieced together. Maybe I pieced it together and I just forgot. But a great and proud tradition in the Metroid series that uh, was also. Uh, ripped off from this alien movie is the escape sequences whereas like in this movie you oh, have sure. like uh, ripley has 10 minutes to to get off the nostromo before it explodes and crushes her into smithereens and uh you know she eventually she tries to go and cancel it but she can't so she's only got five minutes really to get out of there so it's it's super tense and it's a race against the clock and i think almost every metro game has an escape sequence inside of it so uh another little homage there from uh <laughs> some good false finishes yeah exactly so lots of lots of links between um this this movie and the metroid series and and uh you can clearly see the you know the inspiration i mean i, I mean we have a character named ridley who's our big bad guy in the series who's clearly named after ridley <laughs> scott so that's fun. It's yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of nice in a way that they like didn't really even try to hide their their inspiration, you know. I I think that uh yeah. that it's kind of refreshing almost. You could get away with that too more in the NES days and uh and then it just becomes part of the series. Yeah. You know? But I I think it's better off for it. I think it's cool. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you could do that uh nowadays. <laughs> you might you might get sued, but Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, alright well let's talk about this movie specifically itself cause like there are so many like like awesome moments awesome like iconic scenes iconic characters mm-hmm. um man I, it, I, yeah. I almost don't even know where to start um so I guess let's just kinda let's just kinda start <laughs> with with our crew and then we can move around and, and uh go from there I love uh, great ensemble cast here it's so good i think everyone's i think that to to a man uh the like the crew is awesome and like the portrayals are awesome Mm. everyone has their role really and does their role really well uh i i think that everyone is like pretty likable and you don't you don't really get to know everybody a whole you know that well before we talked about this on um oh on our warcraft episode about I, I brought up, like, the Matrix, but this is another good example where, like, some of the characters you do get, like, good little bits or where others you only get a little bit, but they, like, feel like they just feel like a real person. And I think it's because the movie, I, I don't know how to describe it because I'm not, like, I'm not Ridley Scott or whatever. I'm not, you know, someone who makes movies, but, like, some of these characters, they just effortlessly fit into the world. Maybe it's the actor or, like... You know what I think it is? You know, but, like, I have a theory. Because I was watching this on Friday, and I was like, this is so... This feels so real to me. And it was during a scene where, like, the sound kind of wasn't that good. Like, the sound engine... It was kind of hard to hear what the characters were saying. I think someone's like, what? And, and like, it, it was just like a... It wasn't, like, a perfect scene, right? Like, you you couldn't really understand what they mm-hmm. were saying. The other person didn't clearly didn't hear what they said. And, like, it, it felt like real people talking. And, like, a real environment that that might yeah. happen. And it wasn't, like so perfect and it wasn't so crisp and it wasn't so clean and i was like this is awesome and maybe maybe There's that like, just sounds like well, i'm like, glorifying like bad uh, no 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 it's great it's it feels yeah I, I agree with you it feels real like i think of one there's good examples like one when they're all like sitting around talking you know yeah yeah the just the cross chatter that's cool but i also think of the scene where uh harry dean stanton and yafet koto are like saying to ripley like we we want to get our credits or whatever and they're like in a hallway and there's like all that all that steam steam going yeah you just hear like (laughs) (laughs) i love that that's that's like no that's not you glorifying bad stuff that that's definitely intentional like it's definitely the the they're trying to convey i think that's conveyed really well like with um 
just all the design and like how analog everything feels, but they're on this real floating ship, you know, and it's got, it's got steam and knobs and noises and, oh yeah, I love it. It feels so tactile. Yeah. And that wasn't even the scene I was talking about, but that may, that might be the best example too. Cause like Ripley has to repeat herself like three times and and, like the third time she's just like, how about you F off? It like just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. I think those two uh, are my favorite those two, guys. Those two were awesome. They were so good. I liked. I actually did I like Captain Dallas. To them. So I gotta say, he was good. Dallas is good. I liked. Like he's another one where like he's kind of like in the role of like he's just kind of like the leader, um, but you can tell he's like trying to keep it all together. Yeah. But uh, he's he's also not like the focus, and I think I don't know. I think he fits in that role very well, as well. Where it's like, I don't know. Some of these characters like are not overstated. I guess I would say. Like I think of Veronica Cartwright's character and and Kane. Like they're not super overstated in the movie, but they they fit right in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's other people. I think you get it with yeah with Dallas, where he has like little moments, and it's just like it's really the actor selling it. But uh. I think you especially get that with Ian Holm as Ash oh, in the movie. Uh, Ian Holm where... is so. I want to talk about Ian Holm last, actually. Uh, uh, okay, okay. I, I yeah. want to. I have some then... thoughts on the other guys here, but um, okay, go for it. Captain, let's start with Captain Dallas because he's a captain. I, I thought that he was, he was again very believable because at times he's like kind of a jerk. He seems like a little bit of a company guy, but like he does have that moment where he's just like. I'm going in and like, I'm going to, you know, take this flamethrower and, and hunt this thing down. It's like, he, he kind of goes out the right way. Um, I, I thought that he, I thought that he did a good job. Well, uh, and it was like very believable you, again. You can see him kind of like trying to manage the like Ripley and Ash who are yeah. clearly acting like they're acting, uh, their own on their own, you know, beliefs. And he's trying to like, keep it all together i love yeah, that it, it feels like he would rather be anywhere else other than on this ship dealing with like the science <laughs> yeah. guy and like the security officer and like yeah i think he just wants to get home and get paid and, and be on his way um and speaking of getting paid yeah you mentioned it parker and brett these guys are so good i love how they're just like complaining that they're not paid enough it's it's fantastic mm-hmm. uh just yeah like, two two of my favorite actors too both these guys are great and a lot of a lot of movies. They're they're always like the they always kind of steal the show for me. I think like Parker in particular. Um, obviously, he lives a little bit longer, but like he does such an awesome job. Where like he was kind of like a comedy character, and then he he morphs into like a leader, and then like just you know, I I thought that his his arc wasn't like it wasn't a big arc or anything like that. But like I thought that by the mm-hmm. end of the movie, like you were just like oh come on, like you were cheering for this guy more than almost anyone. Right, because to me they're the most like they're. I guess they're most identifiable to me because they're just like the regular like workers, you yeah. know. So I I always find them the most relatable. I like, guess. I, I feel like by the end of the movie, like I, I was like when it was down to Lambert, uh, Parker, and Ripley, I was like, there's no chance. Like Lambert is probably the weakest character. I think there's not really much to her. Although like even that said, she's fine. Um, but I was like, well, obviously there's no yeah. chance that Lambert gets out, but I was like, I really hope that Parker gets out. And I remember watching this for the first time and I was pretty sad when he didn't, uh, make <laughs> it out. Yes. Yes. Yafet Koto, who actually passed away, uh, last year. Oh, man. So rest in peace. Um, I thought officer Kane was very good. Kind of a quiet, nerdy guy, John Hurt. Uh, yes. Yeah. He, he's to me, he's like kind of on the same tier as uh lambert where i still felt like they like i said they fit really well into the world but they don't they don't jump out to me as like the favorite you know what but john hurt is is awesome i think you know i mean he just has like the best moment in this movie so it's you kind of look at kane a little bit more and, and maybe you're just like this guy is like way more important you know what than he is. yeah that <laughs> that really yeah that's a pretty I, awesome. I, is that like one of the best moments in in movie history do, do you think that well, yeah, that's certainly one of the... That's, like, one of those ones that's been in ev- probably referenced in everything, you know, like Simpsons or whatever. You know, it's probably in everything. Just such a classic moment, yeah. I, I mean, like, I can't imagine in 1979 rolling up to the theater, paying, like, a dollar to go watch a movie. And, like, you don't have effects like that at that point. And, like, 
this alien just oh, it looks bursts so awesome out of it. Too. It looks so awesome. And like, um, you, you could probably tell me if this is true or not, but I heard that Ridley Scott didn't tell any of the like actors, like what was going to happen. So their reactions were like fairly genuine when the I've chest heard burst. That. I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. Is that true? That, that, I mean, they are all freaking out. It's really good. And like the effect is so awesome. Like where at first is like, there's just like a few bursts and then just that like oh sp- like that little like that little bit red, oh you know? it's not and you're just like ah like that's that's how they get they get it like that's so detailed i feel like that little detail of it really captures like you know it's not like a huge explosion or whatever it's like oh there there's something so horrifying about it oh man yeah that's it's such an awesome and the little guy scene. skitters off he, he almost he almost <laughs> I looks cute i always the laugh that at he, that like flip-flops away hey like yeah he's like <laughs> <laughs> i do uh, i always laugh at that and i love it i love it uh yeah i wouldn't change that no it still looks awesome like it, it, looks, it looks awesome so good. that scene is like damn near 45 years old that's like that's incredible yeah Everything looks cool in this. Uh, oh, well, we don't. We I don't. It's too soon to talk about the alien. Maybe. Yeah, we'll talk about the alien in a sec. All right, we we finally get. It. Let's <laughs> talk about Ash. Because man, Ash is oh, love awesome. It. And I think a lot of people like me probably know Ian Holm best for playing Bilbo in in Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. which it, which sure, he's also yeah. awesome in. Make no mistake. But he was such a he was such a dick in this movie. He was awesome. He broke he broke protocol, and it makes so much sense. When you get to the end reveal that he's like this crazy android that that knew all about the plans for for you know the the alien and stuff like that, and I think because of the chest burst scene that we were just talking about, Goo, I think that scene overshadows the android scene, which is also like just a completely oh. bonkers scene. If that chest burst yes. scene wasn't well, but- in this movie, like that would also be like a scene that everybody talks about way more. Yes. Before even mentioning that, I I do like it's an he's another one where his character is mostly built off like his reactions the whole movie because like um you know people are like often like freaking out a lot in this movie and then there's like parts where they just show him and he's just kind of observing and when you're watching it at first you just kind of feel like well he's like he's like the scientist you know like he's he he's taking an interest in this thing he's observing it. And then the twist, you know, you find out that he has even more of a, a directive here. But I love that. Like, there's so many scenes where they just cut to Ian Holmes staring. And you're like, yeah. And, you know, when you watch it now, you're like, oh, my God. You know, you just, oh, the, it's so good. And, when you watch it yeah. back and you see him, like, drinking all this milk, you think it's milk. I don't know if it's milk or not. But, like, it's just like, this is weird. <laughs> this guy's there's so weird about yeah. this guy. That was a great detail that, like, when they, you know, he smashes him apart and he starts, like, he's, like, his blood is milk or oh, something. Oh, and, and, and before like, that, too, he starts sweating and it's all, like, it's milk. And screaming. Oh, and, my God, dude. Yeah. That, but that scene where Parker takes, what is that, a fire extinguisher and, like, bashes Ash's, hey bashes Ash's head off <laughs> is so outrageous. Like, because it, it, like... And then when they hook him back up, so scary. Oh, like in the, I think the milk actually is what makes it because it's so, it's so creepy and it's so weird and like just so unsettling. Yeah, it's it's again the like it's like the unknowable. Yeah, because like we now we put it together, but we like we don't fully like get that you know like what that means like the co- company is using androids like what is this milk stuff like uh. Yeah, there's just so much that we don't get to find out, you know, and that's that that's again something I like, and that I'm like, you know, I don't hate it, but it's like a little less cool now. It's like to me, even though it's like the best part about the newer movies, but now it's like, what if we make a movie about the robot? Right. Well, yeah, I, I was <laughs> gonna know? say too, like the uh, um, the the robots, like the androids, certainly played a more prominent role in in the subsequent movies with like, yeah. and I do kind of like how like. In this movie, Ash was bad. In the next movie, Bishop was good. And, like, in the newer movies, like, you kind of got David, who's a little bit ambiguous uh, at best, but probably yeah, ultimately cool, a bad yeah. guy. Um, so I, I I quite like that a lot. But uh, 
Yeah, I don't. Th- especially the scene of this movie where they hook him back up and like his head is off He's his like, body. Oh, love and, it! And yeah. what, I think he says he basically says like a uh, he basically gives him like the Resident Evil like you're all going to die or something like that like <laughs> oh, like yeah, a huge yeah. middle finger before they shut him off. It's awesome. Yeah, he's been getting the secret, the secret uh, transmissions. Yeah, in that cool room. That, that room. Really cool that room. room rocks. Yeah, it looks so good. That's the one thing we talk about: Alien Isolation on this show. Alien Isolation did such an awesome job of like recreating the like aesthetic, like the the computers and how they they looked primitive and stuff like that. It looks so good. Mm. Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, yeah. All the all the knobs and everything. Oh man, love it. <laughs> so we haven't really spent a lot of time talking about Ripley. But, uh, I mean, like Sigourney yeah. Weaver, man, this was like, I mean, this was like the, the role of a lifetime. Was it not? Yeah. She's awesome in this. Um, one thing I really like too, is like, um, it's, it's just like, I feel like a lot of good movies like do this where they put it's like kind of a sort of a regular person in such a, uh, harrowing situation you know yeah. i think of like the end of die hard when you got bruce willis like walking on people always talk about he's vulnerable he's barefoot on the glass you know that's how she feels in this you know because she's just like another person on this crew and we see the rest of the crew get totally annihilated by this thing and she barely you know gets gets out by the skin of her teeth you know well, i kind of like too in this movie um with ripley because i mean no doubt ripley's like a, a strong like she she knows like what to do and, and how to survive and stuff like that. But like, Oh yeah. She, yeah. I like too, that like they never dilute the threat of like the alien because there's never like a scene where she's in like direct like combat, I guess with the alien. Like there, there's kind of scenes where she has to like sneak around it, but by and large, like Ripley doesn't fight. And I guess we can transition to talking about the xenomorph here, but like she doesn't really fight the alien one-on-one. She gets really close she leaves poor Jonesy as a decoy uh, for oh, the alien. Jonesy. Well, Jonesy makes it out, so that's that's okay. Yeah, I know. But I felt I feel bad every time I see that. Um, <laughs> and she, when she comes back, she kind of has like a straight shot to the escape shuttle. And even at the very end, like the alien is like clearly trapped or something, so like it can't get out and and you know wreak havoc on Ripley. So like. She's definitely a survivor. They show her smarts, um, but it, at least in the first movie, it's I, I really like how like she she doesn't like outfight the alien. If that makes sense, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Um, uh, and yeah, just you're you're talking about like <clears throat> she always knows what to do, or like I mean, she she ends up being the most correct out of anyone as far as you can be in this situation. But I like that about her, like she's she's got her own survival instinct basically of what we need to do and i love that conflict with the captain and you can kind of feel that they're like you know they're comrades you know so he wants there's like some respect there but there's the push and pull and so yeah just i feel like the way they interact throughout the movie really sells it too especially like her kind of pushing back on the things that Ash is trying to do, you know, yeah. letting him in and stuff like that. Uh, their ex- their really exchange good. is probably the best exchange in the movie where she's saying like, like clearly I don't trust you. And he's kind of being quite dismissive of it. And I, and it also does a good job too. Cause like, like as the viewer, you're just like, God, if you would have listened to Ripley, none of this would have happened. But then I feel like it also pays off because you find out the truth about Ash. Like it wasn't just a stupid decision where it was like, let's try and save our friend. Like there was clearly an ulterior motive. So I feel like everyone looked really good in that moment. Yeah. Except for maybe Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Dallas kind of looked like a tool. Well, I feel like you kind of see he's torn between like, yeah. he's got his or his mission and you know what I mean? And he's, he's the captain. I don't, I don't know. I like the, I like that. I think it, um, you can see kind of the logic in what he's trying to do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that everyone looked good in that. Let's talk about this alien. I mean, holy cow. First of all, first of all, the evolution is so awesome. Like, we kind of take it for granted now that, like, you have the the face hugger that implants, like, the the seed in someone's chest. Um, But what a cool, like, concept and design. Yeah, it's very convoluted, but I think it's 
Like it's awesome. It it's it's actually almost how I was talking about how we like learn how it works throughout the movie, but it's like it's cl- like not clearly, but like the way the aliens uh develop and grow and birth is like uh works so well in like the actual structure of the movie (laughs) you know it's like designed for the movie which is fun but like uh i love it 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 like both makes sense and like works really well of like raising the stakes you know they go down there gets the face hugger thing then he's fine but then he's let let me ask you you a question goo you and me we're on an alien planet okay we're walking around in a ship and you see this big creepy pod open up do you stick your face in it i'm not down on the planet <laughs> i you know what i mean i don't know i th- I'm, I don't, I'm like i'm sick i can't go i'm down. watching kane i'm just like buddy what are you doing like throw a grenade in that thing or something come on yeah yeah he um someone had to bite the dust i guess and you know what i someone had to get it first i think that the most uh, i can only imagine like being back in this time when this movie came out but I, the first time I ever saw this, I, I remember a couple days later, I was thinking about the movie and I was like, oh my God, there was like hundreds of those things. And like, there's a face hugger in, in each of them. Like there could be yeah. like a hundred of these aliens. And I think that that, that is what this movie does so well. And it's why I don't actually like aliens as much as this movie is like, they present the, the xenomorph as like this indestructible force of nature and we've really seen that reflected in Metroid yet again, because like I feel like all the villains follow the pattern of the Xenomorph, where it's like they're not really characters; they're just like kind of these forces of nature. And mm-hmm. everything about the design of the Xenomorph to the the body horror to the way that it has acid as blood is just like it, it's it's so it's so intimidating, right? There's so many features of it that are both they're both like very visual obviously for a film that's important but also like scary but also like why does it have this you know what i mean like as an organism you know like there's just so much going on there that makes it even more scary you know the the little tiny thing that comes out of the mouth oh my god and, and like how like how like glossy the alien is but it's also like hard and exoskeleton and then like the like steaming acid coming out like it's just a crazy design that uh yeah that's uh hr geiger for you he's he's a real one <laughs> I, like just a an absolutely iconic design obviously but uh i just i keep on trying to put myself like in that time seeing that alien for the first time and like just how intimidating and scary it was and i think it's actually even scarier because like you see the body of like the dead uh, face hugger and it's like, and then, and then you find like the skin of it. And just next thing you know, it's this ginormous hulking death machine. Mm-hmm. So they, they did such a good yeah. job with that. It, it still looks really good, obviously, because yeah. it's a real thing. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely a few shots where it's like, that's a guy <laughs> in a suit, which is fun. But uh, yeah, like the, I don't know. It looks, I think, compared to most... I mean, they look really good in Aliens. I mean, they look good in most of the movies, but I think this is kind of the blueprint because, you know, that that original design is so yeah. good. And, like, so when I was watching um, again on Friday, I kind of reaffirmed, like, my, my opinion. Like, the actual kills that the alien makes, they're all, like, pretty tame. Like, com- compared to what we would see in, like, Prometheus or, like, Covenant or... Even aliens, I feel like, yeah, had no. some, some pretty grisly alien deaths. Mm-hmm. But these ones are pretty tame. But I feel like, in some cases, especially with, like, Dallas comes to mind in particular, like, it's kind of like the the scare of, like, not actually seeing what happened to him. That they kind of use their limitations to their advantage, I feel like. I I've, I think they they pick their spots, you know what I mean? Yeah, like that's a good way to put it, the yeah. chest-bursting scene, but then you have some of the more implied ones, like... Yeah, I like the, I like the mix of it. I th- I think um, that there's there's one death, and I think it was, who would who would it have been on the crew? Maybe it was Lambert, but um, there's one where like you kind of see like an extended of like the alien actually like 
getting her. And I think that's probably the worst one because it kind of shows like, you're right, like it's a guy in a suit and it's not like, uh, mm-hmm. it's not like a, a raging, hulking alien. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But but I mean, also, like I said, like we're talking 44 years ago and, and whatever. So I do think that there's mm. some consideration to give there, but... Um, yeah, I, I think that they use the the limitations in a in a good way. They cut almost like the original Metroid uses like a lot of like black in the background to make it look dark and creepy, and like how they didn't have like the shadows. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, and that I mean, it's it's been described as a haunted house movie in space. Uh, so yeah, that's that's definitely intentional. You know, like I love I love that one like set that's like. There's like water dripping and there's chains. I'm like, what? What is this room? Do they say what that room is? I don't know, but it's really spooky. It is it's like this. This is the murder room, I guess. I feel like we should talk about that too. Like the Nostromo is like a huge important character in this movie as well, because like there's that creepy room. There's the mother room, which is so like I don't know, otherworldly almost. Um, it, it's almost like Christmas in that room. Like it's it's crazy. It's good vibes in there. Um, and there was a scene actually. So during the during the escape sequence, when Ripley is running to that escape pod, I was like just mesmerized by how awesome this movie looked. And like because you've got like the the uh, the sirens going and it's like flashing. Um, and there's, there's like these awesome, like, then I think there's a fire in the background too. So like, it's this awesome visual of like, there's red and orange and blue and everything's flashing and Ripley is running and like the Nostromo looks dirty and dare. Mm. Like, it looks so awesome. Almost, almost Blade Runner-esque. It look, it look, it's so awesome. Yeah. And it's kind of at the climax. Yeah. There's good. They always are like raising the stakes and the tension like pretty effortlessly in this with both like like I mentioned the way the alien develops the way Ash Ash kind of like starts doing stuff you know like it, things just get like more and more out of control and like I love that seeing it like slip out of their hands basically and be and becoming to the point where it is like uh ridley does just have to like all right well it's just me and i have to survive you know uh, I, I was just like kind of you know how we were talking about uh so for everyone listening goo and i've been recording for like a couple hours now together so we were we were just talking about another movie and you were saying goo that you kind of feel like a boomer nowadays talking about modern movies and i i was like having that moment myself when i was watching this escape sequence because i was like this looks i wasn't gonna say anything but i'm, <laughs> I'm with you i was like, like this looks so if they did awesome. it now They'd, they'd have to fight an army of aliens. Uh, there'd be aliens from other multiverses. Um, you know, there'd definitely be some good jokes for sure. Well, like, even uh, even and, that one specific scene that I'm talking about, this escape sequence, if they did, like, if that was in uh, a movie, like, now, that would be, like... They'd be running up the walls yeah, and it's sliding, like, sliding behind or stuff. But that's what I mean. Like, Ripley just feels like... It's the same thing we were talking about with um the wrestling of like they they just feel real, you know, they don't they don't feel like I mean they do, but they're you know, it's not just like a movie character. It feels like someone you can kind of identify with, you the, know, the Nostromo, as like a human being. The Nostromo feels like it could be a ship like a thousand years in the future instead of like uh, a set that's like expertly designed to make it look derelict and dirty and like you know that there is like a ton of care put in um it feels like they're on like an oil rig or something yeah i, I don't know like <laughs> i mean it's a big mining ship so i mean you're probably not far off actually yeah. but I, I don't know i i can't really put into words like i just i feel like there's just such like an element of realness in this movie that's like sorely you know sorely missing where like every like everything feels too perfect and stuff like that in in modern movies and i know i sound like too glossy i know i sound like an old bastard here just going on but like like even even okay. when like characters are like dirty and destroyed it's like your dirt is too perfect like it's not in, you know it's it's not on your like main uh-huh. features or something it's just it's fake dirt you know like <laughs> i don't know that's true that's true yeah yeah these these well it's also too i well uh, i don't want to go off into this tangent necessarily but you know, all the character actors are like, they're like real looking people. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing I miss. Like now, like Harry Dean Stanton's character would be played by Jared Leto. Like everyone would be played by like a very 
conventionally attracted star and like the like most of the cast of this movie are just like not ugly but you know what i mean they just look yeah, they're like people normal people i mean most of them are pretty handsome or good looking or whatever but in their own like they all look kind of weird you know and i i love that yeah um this would be like chris pratt would be the captain if they made it now you know and be like uh, i i'm not gonna lie i would almost be down to see chris pratt versus the xenomorph <laughs> That oh would God. be kind of funny. Kevin, we're we're Kevin gonna Park we're gonna get that there. pretty much in uh, Jurassic. I was about to say Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, three. This is a sidebar. Oh, but so be, I actually I don't. They should put an alien dinosaur in that. That'd be tight. I actually don't hate the new Jurassic World movies. What do you think about that? I don't think they're very good, but they're they have their moments. I think uh, this new one it promises what the title says, so that's good. There you go. That's cool. <laughs> uh, well, I, I don't won't be a good, as good as Alien. That's for sure. Like just the perfect, no way. the perfect blend of like good acting, good casting, an awesome setting, believability. But I like I think that the the thing that stirs the drink and ties everything together is obviously the alien, the the xenomorph. He they did they did such an awesome job building this thing up, building it up as this indestructible. I'll say it again, force of nature that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's still so potent yeah. all this time later. Like it's, it's just, it's so good. It's so good. That's what's great is like, it is this killing machine, but it's not really like the villain, I guess is Waylon Yutani, which is like a company and we don't even see anyone who works for them. And so that's, what's cool about it is like, yeah, like it is just this, force of nature that they're being forced to reckon with. right yeah, yeah. And, I, and i think that that kind of like gets lost a little bit like you you mentioned it earlier but like whale and yutani really are are at fault like they're the bad guys and you they're their yeah. avatar is is kind of uh ash in a sense here where like he's the soulless i mean he's literally a robot like he doesn't he doesn't have a heart where he's just like i'm prepared to let everybody die in order to study this this alien and you know it's kind of uh Again, it like even back then in 1979, it's kind of horrifying because you know you know for damn sure that that would be exactly the the case if this happened in real life. And I think that that's when sci-fi is at its best. Is like, could I see this happening conceivably in like real life? Let's say in in mm-hmm. a thousand or two thousand years or something like that. Like, would would human nature like allow me to believably watch this and say like I could see this happening? And I talk about the Expanse a lot, which is like a show that I think does a really good job about that that looks good yeah um yeah this makes you feel like how you are just like a cog in the machine you know what i mean (laughs) like you just kind of like exist and sometimes you're just kind of carried by the wave of history i guess you know we we could go on and on and on about this movie it's awesome you should if you haven't ever watched i can't imagine anyone listening to the omega metro podcast hasn't watched alien but if for some reason you haven't you definitely need to because this is really the granddaddy that inspired metroid and and you know like we like we've kind of detailed and laid out a lot of the things that we love about metroid well those were things that started in alien um so you definitely owe it to yourself to go and watch (laughs) it and if you haven't watched it in a while uh go watch it again because it's still you know it still holds up it's still awesome like i was on the edge of my i was on the edge of my seat watching this the other night yep oh yeah as, yeah, as someone who's only seen credits on one Metroid game, I'm gonna say you're not a real fan unless you've seen this movie. We're gonna we're gonna change that. Do you and you know what, Goo? I I'm gonna. Yeah. Do you know where you can go if you get stuck and you need a hand? No. OmegaMetroid.com. Oh, Check it out. We have walkthroughs. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's uh, we, we got you covered, buddy. Um. So yeah, if you uh if you haven't watched it in a while, go and check it out. If you want to hear Goo and I talk about more movies specifically video game uh movies but we do talk about some other movies as well um check out virtual theater we're over on uh, twitter at virtual theater x we're over on soundcloud and uh wherever you get your podcast go and check us out uh oh yeah give us a give us a follow and a subscribe that'd be real nice um goo five star rating yeah don't don't yes. rate us if you're not going to rate us five stars actually only five star ratings please, please. uh Goo, thanks for uh, coming on Omega Metroid to not talk about Metroid again. <laughs> <laughs> One day I'll come on and talk about Metroid. Well, you know what's really funny I'll is play. we're going to be talking about Metroid on Virtual Theater 
very soon. We are. Why? What's happening? Next episode oh, of Captain oh, N. Captain N. Come on over to the Patreon. Yeah, because five bucks. We are so we've covered the Zelda animated series, and we're going through the Captain N, the video game master uh, discography. And uh, Mother Brain is a big <laughs> part of that movie, or not movie series, rather. So uh, come and come and check. Mother out. Brain's a highlight, actually. Yeah, maybe I'll release uh, a Captain N episode. Maybe I'll release like the Mother Brain marriage episode one day for Omega. The marriage yeah. one. Oh yeah, that that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, I, I might have to censor uh, a little bit going on there, but uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> listen carefully. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that is gonna do it for us, uh, Goo. Thank you again for coming on and chatting. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, this is great. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, we are going to get out of here. Of course, we want you guys to check out OmegaMetro.com and uh, consider checking out Patreon as well. I am just about to start my third Metroid ROM hack review, and I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, that is Patreon.com forward slash OmegaMetroid. We are on Twitter at OmegaMetroidPod. I am at Spateri316. Goo is at GooeyFame, and you can check out Virtual Theater at Virtual Theater X. And uh, while you're there, subscribe to uh, Omega Metroid, wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to have you along for the Metroid ride. We will see you on a special Monday start time next week, where Kiwi Talks is making his return to the show. We're going to talk some Metroid Other M, everyone's favorite. Uh, Until then, take care.